Welcome to Dynasty Saturday Night 5. We are live on a Saturday night here on the Going For Two YouTube, Going For Two Live YouTube channel. Uh, Going to talk some Dynasty Fantasy football, including some off-season risers tonight. Been a few weeks. We took off. Uh, I was seeing the greatest band on the planet uh, in the greatest place to see them on the planet uh, for like seven nights in like a span of 10 days. And Josh, my co-host, how you doing? You were making quite a quite a big life change. Yeah, my wife and I just moved to Richmond, Virginia, which was it was a lot, but it's it's good to be here. I'm a lot closer to some people and going for two like Chew and Jeff. So it's good to get out of the deep south, honestly. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Willie Willie T had Willie T Sherman had had, a, had the right idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we just lost about 50 percent of the audience there we go all right uh, please make sure you subscribe rate and review if you're listening in audio if you're watching us here on youtube or somewhere else subscribe there like there, comment there feed the algorithm what it must be fed uh for those of you who forget um dynasty uh saturday night five we do uh you know sort of lists of five as a vehicle to talk about whatever dynasty topic we we want to talk about uh and and this week it's uh it's off-season risers um before we get into that just want to mention you know um there's been a lot of stuff going down with with uh, uh the running backs you know first of all running backs of the world unite you have nothing to lose but your chains uh but you know at at the same time um you know, the dynasty impact of it I don't think it's as big as some people are making it out to be with guys like Cook and Zeke, um, obviously the sort of mysterious situations with JT and Jacobs and, and Dobbins are annoying, but I don't know that I can do much with it except, you know, just rate them where I think they should be rated and, you know, pretty much hope that and, and I think bet on the fact that, like, they're going to play because they want to make money and maybe they miss a few games or maybe they don't play through a minor injury or something like that, so... But like, you know, they're going to play. But all that to say, um, next week we're going to have uh, Jacob Sanderson, who writes the Hitchhiker's Guide to Running Backs, uh, as part of his Substack now, uh, to kind of unpack a lot of the the backfield stuff uh, uh, for 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 Dynasty. But you know, where are your thoughts on it right now? Yeah, I agree with you at this point, especially in Dynasty startups. I'm kind of buying the dip on some of these guys, especially Josh Jacobs. I He was pretty low on my roster ship, but a lot of these startups, I'm getting them third or fourth round. So yeah. I'm just going to buy the dip and just hope he plays. And if he does, you know, I'll be looking really good in a lot of leagues. You know, if I think it's getting overblown a little. Yeah, if best ball is any barometer, you know, and it kind of is, it's like that first, I don't want to call it canary in a coal mine. That's a little dramatic, but it's like that you know, first signal out there of what, what the streets are thinking about players. Um, yeah, I'm getting good discounts on Brees Hall and Josh Jacobs and JT in those best ball drafts. So, um, 
you know, we were kind of already seeing it in dynasty startups because wide receivers were just from the, just the general running back landscape, wide receivers were, were pushing up. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with those individual running backs. But tonight we're going to talk about off season risers. Um, you know, what makes someone uh, a riser? You know, is it, have, has their stock risen in my opinion? Do I think they're on the rise? Are they a riser in the market? Is it both? Um, are they a, have they already risen? Are they about to rise? So for me, I have a mix. Like most of the guys I'm talking about tonight are at least partially me and partially the market. And also I think I can make the case that all of my guys, there's room for them to keep going up so that if you buy in now, you know, you'll still get more, more value at, as it goes up. How did you approach this? And I, I want to ask you a question too, like to what extent is, I don't want to call it camp hype, but like the preseason news, right? The tweets from the, the beat writers and we got a lot of sift, lots to sift through. What do we believe? What do we don't believe? What's going to stick? What won't? To what extent did that, does that affect kind of how you're, you're viewing things? Because we're starved for information. We're starved for football and it's all we got. Yeah. So I really waited until I was able to see tapes of people. Cause early on there wasn't really tapes. It was just tweets and reports. So I really waited until I could see tapes of people doing stuff in the joint practices in the preseason games. So a lot of that is a few of mine is me catching up to the market with some guys. That I was a little behind on cause I just wanted to see what their role might be. Um, and stuff like that. But other ones I'm just ahead of the market on, and I think they're easy buys. And a lot of it is because of what I've seen in the preseason. Uh, you know, new situations, new coaches. And I do think you have to be careful, though, not to go off just tweets and actually find beat reporters who are in touch with the team, talking to the coaches, and they're almost every day at their practices. Like, I found a community that has a bunch of beat writers' tweets. So I joined that community, and that's really helped me a lot to sift through instead of just going through my Twitter timeline with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fantasy analysts just giving their hot takes, their guys. So I think it is kind of tough to sift through, but I think finding a method to do that without taking too much time is important. Yeah, so um, are you referring to the, the Twitter account that retweets all the beat writers, or are you talking about something else when you talk about the community? What's talking about something else, I found a community oh. where – all the tweets go in there from the beat writers. Oh, like but a community and the community button mm -hmm. on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. All right, That's yeah. really all I use that for because I'm not really in too many communities on there, but I yeah. go to that and I'll search through and I get a lot of beat reporter yeah. stuff through that. So, well, I also want to plug just the Twitter account 32 beat writers while we're at it. They've, yep. they, they've done a lot of great work and they have a discord now too, and a podcast that's grown out of that. So yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, and those guys are watching again, you know, like they have their own personal biases and mm -hmm. what they want to tell. And, you know what, you know, they want the, the teams dangle access above them. You know what I mean? You know, so there's that dance. But but, you know, if you if you if you're hearing a consistent, you know, that it's happening throughout the preseason, several people, you know, sources are, are saying it, it starts to become, I think, something you, you can you can believe. Well, a lot of it's not just seeing the tweets. It's seeing it with your eyes and confirming what you've been hearing through on. So that's a lot of it is actually being able to see the players go against other players and just see how mm -hmm. how, how well they do. Yeah. Um, okay. So I talked about the uh, discounts I'm getting on, on Brees Hall and the gang on uh, Best Ball. And this show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Going to pay the bills here. Underdog is the industry leader 
uh, best ball leagues, huge tournaments, the puppy, the mastiff, the Dalmatian, the slow puppy, the fast puppy, the Pomeranian, the Chihuahua. Uh, you know, uh, they got it all. And they got best ball mania. They got weekly winners. And if that's not your thing or that's not enough, uh, they've got pickums. you know, uh, not only like season long, like, you know, someone's, you know, season rushing, rushing yardage number, but you know, uh, each week they're going to have pickums for the games. Um, you know, they also have if, uh, other sports, you know, while you're waiting for football to kick in, they've got baseball. And I think, I think that's the name of that sport base baseball, <laughs> right? Uh, something yep. called golf and something called basketball. I don't know. Some people like it. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, why am I talking about Underdog? Uh, because if you are a new account on Underdog and you sign up, uh, they will match your first deposit up to $100 if you use the promo code GF2. So go to the uh, Underdog app, go to going for two, I mean, go to underdog.com, uh, <laughs> use the promo code GF2. And we've made it very convenient for folks who are looking at us visually right now. We have this shiny QR code there on the screen that you can use to, to access uh, Underdog. And, yeah, you know, start playing, start winning some money and, uh, you know, um, be a, be a D-Gen uh, who's constantly on the clock on Underdog like me. <laughs> All right. Time for off-season risers. You want, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off here. And I'll kick us off with um, someone who I was not super high on coming out, uh, and that's Devon A-Chain. Uh, so I'll just go through the rankings real quick. I have I moved him up to 29, all the way up from 38, so up nine spots. Uh, I just Honestly, it put me right at the market. Going for two has him consensus at 28. KTC, keep trade cut, he's RB27. Uh, he's got... 3,554 data points, which they it's crowdsourced, and he's up 389 over the last six months. So that's he's he's definitely a riser. Fantasy Pros, he's RB26, and his bulletproof ADP is 902 as RB27. So I'm this is one of the cases where I've caught up to the market. I was a little behind on, but seeing some stuff, seeing him, uh, see how actually how fast he is compared to other players in the NFL, I've moved him up a little. Um, so the case for A-Chain, um, I was down on to her size, started to get a little FOMO once I realized he was on the Dolphins. I started doing a little more research. I think Mike McDaniels is smart and uh, innovative enough to find ways to get him the ball in space. So every time he touches the ball, he's a home run threat, has a chance to take it all the way. Uh, and so far in the preseason, he's shown a really good ability to play bigger than his size. He caught us a couple of passes over the middle, took some big hits, bounced right back up which I will say he got carted off today uh, from an injury. I don't know what the injury was, if it was contact, non-contact. So that's a little unfortunate, but it is dynasty. So I'm not really moving him down much until I hear more about it. Um, yeah, his speed as well as McDaniels uh, being the coach and his receiving ability, I think it gives him plenty of touches in the offense that's full of uh, full of guys who need the ball. And uh, in, the, in the preseason so far, he's – I saw him uh, make a run up the middle. Normally would have been an eight to 10 yard gain. And he turned it into 15 or 16 yards. And he, he just outran two linebackers running right between them. Kind of like Mike picked it against the Vikings. And that was very encouraging to me because I wasn't sure how he'd beat through the tackles, but his burst looks really, really good. Um, and yeah, that's why I like him. I'm caught up to the market. I started to get FOMO. So I'm really trying to diversify my <laughs> dynasty rosters now too, to, 
just in case you know I'm wrong about some players like Pickens, yeah. even Gabe Davis. I'm trying to get at least a few shares just in case. Yeah, and that's, if anything that's, to sell when they pop. So yeah, that's a smart way to do it. Um, HA for me, you know, he I think he entered my rankings at 35. Um, you know, my first round of rankings after the NFL draft. He's kind of been a little, uh, you know, but kind of always stayed in that range. And he's 34 for me now. I don't know that I will agree with you that there's going to be plenty of touches for him. Uh, they paid Wilson and Mostert. They trust Wilson and Mostert. Um, you know, uh, he was playing as punt gunner in the first preseason game, you know, and that's not something that you want to you want to see. Um, I, I, I do think that in, in, de, in his defense, there's not a lot of good comps for him because guys with that with with that size don't have the combination of also the other variables, all the variables of um, size you know, day, at least day two draft capital and like a semi workhorse, you know, uh, profile in at Texas A&M, um, you know, he wasn't like a tackle breaker, you know, really his yards after contact per attempt are on like big runs where like you, you can break one tackle and then that's after yeah. contact. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. that's a little de- deceiving, but he is tougher, I think, than then, you know, so, you know, uh, a guy at 5'9", 188, you know, would be expected to be. I just don't know if that's going to also now scale up in the NFL and coaches are going to going to trust him that way. I I think he can be super explosive and super efficient. I'm skeptical of, of the role and the volume, you know, like like they're OK spending a third round pick on a guy giving him 10 touches a game and thinking of him as like a weapon that's serving the exact role that the offense needs. Right. Because like, they're going to feed Waddle and, and Hill there, you know, uh, Jeff Wilson is going to get a little bit more of like that early down work or the goal line work. So I, I just don't know. I don't know that I can trust, trust the volume really. Yeah. yeah. The real thing that's not too discouraging for me redraft. I'm going to have him ranked a little lower, probably in the mid thirties, like you do, because most dirt's in his thirties. Wilson's 28. And both of them do have some uh, track record of being hurt. Sure. Yeah. So I don't I don't bake that into my rankings. I'm pretty high on Jeff Wilson. I have I've drafted him a lot, but there is a good chance where one of these guys gets hurt due to their age and past history of injuries. So that would just it would just boost them up a little bit more. But this is more of a next year of a play once you know Mostert's third. I don't know how I don't know what his contract looks like, but but I will say this based on his like explosiveness, you know, and home run threat every time uh he touches the ball. Um in my uh, so far 18 completed best ball mania drafts on under oh wait no that's it's best ball mania it's puppy it's all of them so all my regular 2023 um, best ball uh, H is my one two three fourth most drafted player at 27 percent and so like your average percentage is like 8.3 percent right. So I'm like three X right on, on that. So, you know, I, I, I mean, it just where he's going and, and his chance to have a spike week and the fact mm-hmm. that it fits the builds that I'm doing as far as, you know, how I'm attacking running back or how I'm trying to pair him up stacks or, you know, when you're doing weekly winners and you want to say like, okay, the AFC East is playing the NFC East and shit like that. Like, 
I, I find myself taking him a lot. Um, it's weird because, you know, two guys that I'm lower than consensus on are in my top four, and they're both rookie running backs. That's Jameer Gibbs and Devon Aching. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to put it in, like, Madden terms, I like, they have three guys on that team that have, like, 99 speed and, like, 97, 98 agility. So, I think that offense – I. I think having those three guys on the field at the same time could be could spell issues for a defense, especially a slower defense. How much time did you spend? I I say did because I don't play Madden anymore, but like adjusting the ratings and on a player and like you know what kind of elbow pad or whatever and like wristband you wanted him to wear. And- no, that wasn't wasn't your thing. No, no. I all I did was I I would go and change their positions to make their ratings go down, so I could trade for them easily, and then go and change their positions back. That's about oh. all the changing I did, just so I could stack my team. Oh, I mean, like create a player, like you know, like no, nah, I you know, I usually don't I, do I that. Love I usually just do player. yeah. I do that in uh, baseball games more than Madden. What what was that? Where did you MLB call it? the show? I. <laughs> Or a... Look, I gotta live out my dream somehow. My uh, my my brother, my poor brother, record high payroll, and the Mets are just crumbling. Uh, it's it's bad. They it's traded bad. Scherzer and Verlander, right? Both of them. Yep. Yeah, they're they're paying like thirty or forty million just to get rid of Justin Verlander. So they're it's it's gonna be a few long years. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. (laughs) My my, uh, first one I'm gonna do uh, is uh, is also me catching up a little bit with folks, Um, and that's Daniel Jones, uh, quarterback. Um, It's mostly a market thing, you know, as far as him being a riser, but it's a little bit me as as well. I have him at 16 in a tier of 14 to 18. I think I had him at like 21 when we were talking about Russ versus Daniel Jones a few episodes back. I think I had him around 21 at that point yeah. in a tier more with Goff and Cousins. And now I have him in a tier with like Russ and, and uh, Stroud and, 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 uh, and, and Bryce Young. I also have Lance in that tier because I don't – my tiers aren't strictly based on like trade value. But anyway, so, um, you know, KTC, he's, he's 15. He's um, – He's gone up, uh, you know, uh, 222 points over the last three months there uh, on Fantasy Calc. Uh, he's 16. Uh, also, you know, he's gone up over 1,000 points there since late May. Uh, his bulletproof ADP is 409 at quarterback 16, up from 411 in late May. And that's where I start to part a little bit more with the market. I'm okay with him at quarterback 16, right? Like, I can make the case that, you know, um, the coaching has unlocked him a little bit. Uh, they're, they're, you know, um, you know, playing up to his skills. Um, he's going to have Darren Waller to pepper this year. Um, I can say that there's only been so many guys who have passed for 3,000 yards and run for 700 in the same season. He's one of them. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, I can, I can say all that and, 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 and make the case that he's ascendant, right? He's a riser. Still pretty good age. Got a contract, right? I just don't think he's that good. I don't think he's as good as some people think he is. And my ranking of 16 is more like, well, who else am I putting there? You know, like I'm not really trusting Stroud above him yet. I'm not putting Goffer Cousins above him. 
you know, uh, for different factors, you know, cousins largely age, right? So it's kind of like he's just there. He's like the dude that's outside the top 12 or 13 quarterbacks that's like, okay, I'll get him. But I don't want to spend a fourth-round startup pick on him, right? Like, um, you know, when I can – you know, other players who are going in in the fourth round, JSN, Cooper Cup, Drake London, Austin Eckler, you know, I'm out on Etienne at his value, but he's there. DK, I think, is a little overvalued, but he's there. Kenneth Walker, same thing with Etienne. Hawkinson, you know, but at that price, maybe I'm out, but, like, I can get him in the fourth. Like, you're asking me to forego those guys for, for Daniel Jones as my quarterback, too, when I can wait, like – three rounds and get Russ or Gino, you know, and that's, I think where I start to have a problem with it. Um, the trade streets, maybe a different story. Maybe it's a little, little simpler. Maybe it's a little easier to, to pull off, but I'm not spending a fourth round startup pick on it. See, I, I, I'm happy with taking him in the fourth. So like, say I start out Lamar Jackson, then I take St. Brown, Kyle Pitts. I'm perfectly fine with having Daniel Jones as my, in the fourth round. I uh, would prefer it to be later. So 411 is, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. And the main reason is last year he took yeah, his passing touchdowns weren't impressive. He only threw 15. But the big thing to me, uh, as he gets older, he's gotten smarter with the ball. He only threw five interceptions and he rushed for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. And 57 of those were for first down. So I think he's getting smart, not trying to force the ball, throwing it and using his legs just to get first downs and extend the drive. So and that that to me shows a little bit maturity. Yeah. And seven hundred rushing yards is a really good floor for uh, rushing on a good right. off, on a pretty good offense. But also bad offensive lines. So how much of that rushing came from scrambles from collapsed pockets, right? You know, and how much of that passing was in wasn't they had a a, a number of second half comebacks that's going to regress to the mean. Like yeah. I just don't know that it's that is built in for for him to to warrant the fourth round pick. I know it's kind of weird because I'm saying he's a riser, but I'm shitting on him. But like, it's just like, (laughs) like I'm with you. I'm with you folks. Like I'm open to Daniel Jones more, you know, vanilla Vic, but I don't know that I'm, that I'm open to him at his ADP. Yeah. That's, that's fair. I've, I've always been a little bit higher on him. And even if it's a collapsed line, as long as I get the rushing yards, I don't care how it's done. I don't care if it's a read option or him running for his life, as long as he gets the yards. (laughs) All right, Julia, our friend Julia, Julia checking in. Uh, happy to be with us on a Saturday night. Always good to see you, Julia. Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. Who's your next riser, Josh? Um, I'm going to go to a wide receiver. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite wide receivers. He was my favorite target in third rounds of rookie drafts this year. Uh, it's Tank Dell or Nathaniel Dell. Uh, I have him ranked as – and I'm way above consensus on this, and I think it will catch up, but I'm kind of just – quote unquote planning my flag on this player. Uh, I have him at wide receiver 44 up from 58 going for two. He's wide receiver 86, but I think that's because a few people didn't have him ranked. So they might not have updated their rankings. Uh, KTC has him at wide receiver 61. He's up 506 points in the last month. Um, Fantasy pros has him all the way down at wide receiver 72 and bulletproof ADP has him at 1506, the wide receiver 69. Um, and it really goes down goes down to me. I think that wide receiver room can be ugly on paper, but I actually actually like that their wide receivers all at cost. Uh, and that being said, I'm the most far by far the most impressed with Tank Dell in the preseason. Uh, he's looked really really good in the preseason games. 
Uh, and looks, I think they shut him down until the regular season because I think he solidified uh, one of the two top two or three wide receiver spots so they don't want him to get hurt. And I think that's a really good sign. Uh, in the games and even in joint practices, he's constantly getting open, making people look silly. Uh, he's making big plays. He made a circus catch in the end zone, showing really good concentration. I think the defender bobbled it. He was laying on his back and was still able to track the ball and catch it for a touchdown. And he also got a big play on the middle running a post and just juking the defender out of his shoes and getting some yards after catch. And I was I started getting him in third rounds of rookie drafts because C.J. Stroud made a point to tell the Houston management once they drafted him that he really wants them to draft Tank Dell. And I think they already have a really good rapport. And I think that's extremely important uh, for two rookies to find a comfort zone and someone you're familiar with. So I think he's going to be kind of a safety valve for him because he could play in the slot uh, and let Mechie and Nico Collins run the outside. And I think there's a very likely possibility that he's the wide receiver one on this team by the year's end. And getting him where you can and where you got him in rookie drafts, I think that's going to be a great value if it shakes out like that. So you're going to – we're going to we're gonna disagree on, on this one. Um, Good. Yeah, I mean, listen, I know he's not Tutu Atwell. I get that, right? He's a very good separator, right? He's he's good after after the catch, you know. Um, but he's good after the catch because he's got juice. He's not good after the catch breaking tackles, right? And some of the plays he's making in preseason, he's not going to make in real NFL games against, you know, number one defenses. Personally speaking, that's what I – he's 163 or 166 pounds – for me, we were talking before the show, right? Uh, and I was saying that the more I know about fantasy football and football, the less sure I am of things, right? Fantasy football is a game of unfathomable uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And so I can make the case positively or negatively for each player. And so it comes down to what rules of thumb am I going to use, right? And I will gladly be out on a 165-pound wide receiver as a rule of thumb. And I'll gladly be wrong doing that. You know, um, I do think that if you have him, now's a good time to capitalize on the buzz, right? Because my question is, like, maybe I, I disagree with you on, on where the ceiling is with this guy. So even if I think... He can, you know, he, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be fine, and and you know, the the weight isn't gonna be, uh, it, the size is, isn't gonna be an issue, you know, the 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 offense will be better than it was last year in the Texans, but like it's still rookie quarterback, it's still not a great offense, and I don't, I think Nico Collins is gonna eat, I think um, Xavier Hutchinson is sneaky, I think John Mechie people are forgetting about, I just don't think. Tank Dell is going to be the guy there. Is it possible that there's a world in which he's a PPR monster, right? That the rookie quarterback peppers, you know, a slot guy with targets and his yak gets him some points and that thing. I don't know that the TD upside is there though. So I don't know. Like it's just, there's enough there for me where I'm like, eh. So I have him 50 spots below you. I have him at wide receiver 94. I am just not sold on on that. Yeah, maybe I'm a little low. Maybe I'll push him maybe, up. Maybe just yeah. a little. Yeah. You're 20, you're like 20 spots, 20, 30 spots even below market. So 
Some guys I'm above market. Some guys I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm below market. I mean, am I crazy here? What, what? Sell me on this. Come on, change my mind. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you crazy. I'm just a sucker for anyone, especially at this age, that can separate and run routes really well. So maybe that's a downside in my uh, my how I go about things, but I really like people that can get open. I hope he's smart and doesn't try and run through people and he just runs out of bounds, kind of like Tyler Lockett. I saw a whole compilation where every time he catches the ball, he's about to get tackled. He just goes to the ground. I'm perfectly fine with players doing that to save yeah. them from getting hurt or from – you know, fumbling the ball, trying to do too much. So hopefully he's smart about it, and I hope he doesn't have injuries because of his size. I have two shares, 4% exposure to Tank. So I got him in a couple of rookie drafts as kind of like the just-in-case-I'm-wrong diversification kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, actually one of the drafts I got him in was uh, – are you in that one with the full tilt guys? We called it the psycho draft. We drafted Not that rookie, one. rookies in the Not startup before the NFL draft. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I didn't do that one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, and another one I have him in is best ball, you know, uh, a dynasty league. So that's probably more why I took him there was was it was in best ball. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see. You know, m- maybe we can mark this as a guy that we can argue about and see who's mm-hmm. right, you know, as the season you know, goes on. You know, you know talk, talking about his size, I saw before the game today, him and John Mechie standing next to each other and catching. They don't look – their size don't look that much different. So, you know, there might – John Mechie might have a little more muscle on, but just standing next to each other, they look to be about the same size. So, Right. And you know what? Guys play play bigger, right? I know it's like mm-hmm. kind of like a film bro kind of way of looking at it, and that doesn't seem to be like, you know, the cool way of talking about things these days. But it's true. Like Devontae Smith, right? I mean, come on, you look at his legs, like, what the hell? He plays bigger, and he uses his savvy. Like, he's 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 not – he doesn't play like a, a 170 wide receiver plays. Uh, Tank Bigsby and Travis Etienne are, like, essentially the same size, right? People don't understand that. Tank runs – they're, like, 210. Tank runs like he's 220. Etienne plays like he's 195, right? Like, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, maybe that's there. For Dell, like I already, you know, I told you, I don't think he's too too at well. I think he, I think he's, you know, well above yeah. that. But you know, we'll we'll see what. That, yeah. um, Toronto you know, Dave I, I, check, checking in. Just yeah. want to say hi to him real quick. Hi, Dave. Always good, good to see, to you, see Dave. you. All right. Uh, let's see. My next guy. You did a receiver, so. Uh, I'm going to do, and and that's a flag plant for you. I'll do my flag plant. I was going to maybe save this for later. Brandon Ayuk, right? Um, I love him all over him in 2023. Um, he's, he's, he's a flag plant for me. I'm, I'm well above market on him. I have him as wide receiver 17, um, in a tier of 11 to 18. I've got him in a tier with, um, just want to make sure I get all the guys right. Tyreek, Diggs, London, Cup, DK, JSN, Devonta Adams. And I've got him right towards the bottom, right above. I have him above Devonta Adams. This is Brandon Ayuk's true point. He's already kind of has had a breakout. This is where he takes it to the next level this year. Um, going for two has him at 21. KTC has him at 22. Um, you know, he's gone up. Uh, in most measures, and you know, in KTC and in fantasy calc, 
uh, over the course of uh, you know the the off season. Um, in fact, he's gained nearly uh, more than a third of his value um, uh, since uh, since May on fantasy count. You know, uh, so you know, and they both have him at twenty two. Um, his bulletproof ADP is six eleven at wide receiver twenty eight. Although it is starting to creep up into the the mid six, so people drafting him are still low on him. Um, and he was, but he's up from the seven oh six. So like you know, he's starting to you know get gain almost a whole round of ADP since late May. Now, I mean, I like you know I I don't have many flag plants this year. This is my flag plant, right? Uh, JJ Zacharyson. Um, Brandon Ayuk was the 88th percentile in his prospect model. And going into year two, he has the year two model. He was 97th percentile. The only thing that's really hurt Ayuk is, well, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? But like the biggest ding for him was his doghouse era, right? Post doghouse era was really good. He was really good last year. And he's above Debo. People keep thinking Debo is going to be the number one target on this team. And he's just... For, to me, he's just not like he's reliable and he breaks tackles well. But Ayuk, he's got, I believe, more versatility, more di- dynamism to his game, more explosiveness. I see a world in which Ayuk and CMC are like one and two in 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 targets on on the 49ers. CMC really capped Debo's like rushing element, and people are kind of like forgetting that part of it and just wish casting for 2021 Debo. I think he'll be better than he was in 2022. Um, but I just, I just see it. Now's the time to get on board with Ayuk. He's definitely had buzz. Like Matt Harmon's been out there talking about him. Other folks are, are, you know, calling for a good year for him, but there's still, I think time to get on board and, and still time for the, the value to increase. Now, some people are going to say, well, well, Ford, you hate Brock Purdy. Hey, Brock Purdy has a talent, but he fits the system. He fits the coach, right? Uh, I think he's going to come back down to earth when it comes to efficiency, but he's going to, you know, he's going to manage the offense the way Shanahan wants and distribute the ball well enough. And he's a smart player, Purdy, if anything. And so, uh, yeah, I just think this is the year. This is the year for for Ayuk, and I'm I'm all on board. Give me all the Ayuk this year. I don't disagree with you. I have him at 24, so I'm not too far behind. Um, but I think I am just a little bit higher on Debo, not as much as other people. I have Debo at 19, maybe 20, so he's not that much ahead. But I do think he's going to be better this year than he was. And the only thing I really disagree about what you said, I think I think Debo is a little bit more overall dynamic. He can do more on the field. But I think Brandon Ayuk is a more polished route runner and a better just receiver. But I do think that even though CMC – Eight into his uh, rushing upside. I think it's kind of silly not to give Debo a few handoffs a game, and we know what he can do with those. He's had really good touchdown upside with those, and like you said, he's still a lead at missing tackles. He led the league last year in forced missed tackles for receivers. And I, I think it'd be kind of silly not to not to use that and use the weapon, but I do like Ayuk a lot. I've been getting a lot more share, so I don't disagree with you. I think the reason I don't have him that high is because I still think Debo's a really good talent. But yeah, I'm at 24, so I'm not that far behind you. Yeah, Julia pointing to the fact that the ADP gap is closing, and and that's true. Um, mm-hmm. Debo, I think, is still in the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. 
Oh, I have him here at 6.03, right? Yeah, and I yep. get 6.11. So that gap is really is really close, and especially when you think about the fact that that's, that's an average, that you know, right? So there's, there's some drafts where he's going flip-flopped. So awesome. I have I Ayuk have at 17. You've got him at 24. You've got Debo at 19. I've got Debo at 32. But in fairness, that's the tier of like 18 to 33, <laughs> right? You know? Uh, so in like two games, he could be up there at like – I mean, 20. yeah, that – We have the same tier. <laughs> I've moved guys within that tier so much over – over the, the the last few months, but but generally that tier is is the same thing. Like you know, which wide receiver, you know, which of the five hundred wide receiver twos do you want? And you know, hopefully yeah. you're right. <laughs> we just got to see how it goes once they actually yeah. start playing games that matter. Yeah. So I I'm sorry. So we've got Tank Dell and we've got Debo versus Ayuk as our bets so far for for 2023. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. <laughs> Tell me your your next riser. All right, I'm gonna go back to running back here. And this is someone I've kind of come around on here recently. Uh, it's Brian Robinson. Uh, I have him ranked at RB26, up from 34. So it's not a huge jump, but I did move him up a little bit. Still in the same tier, but he's at the top of the tier now. Uh, going for two, has him at 31. KTC has him at 34. He's up 254 data points in the last month. Uh, Fantasy Pros is a little behind. There you got him at 38. And he's going at the 1108 which I've been taking him in the late night, 10th round in a lot of my startups because that has him at 36. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a narrative where he's kind of seen as unathletic at making people miss and as overall runner where he just runs in a straight line and hope you can tackle him. But he did have 60% of his yards come after contact, which is pretty good and ranked not like super high in the league, but it was better than a lot of people expected. And I blame most of that to him being literally shot in the leg Coming back rusty, and now I think he has a full offseason, so I think he's going to be better than he was last year. I don't think he's like a league winner or anything, but I think where you're getting him, he can give you some really good results, especially in a tumultuous uh, run back landscape. Uh, reports out of camp say he's putting in a lot of work in the passing game, both pass blocking and catching the ball, uh, which was a huge knock for him last year because he got basically no receiving work because they had Gibson and McKissick. And – even though Antonio Gibson will be at the third down back there, there should still be plenty of opportunities for dump offs from Sam Howell. Um, so I think he's got to catch some more passes. And I think even a slide up ticket in his receiving will boost his value a little bit, especially in full PPR leagues. Um, and also, um, like to the offense, I've seen a lot of people argue that it's just going to be a terrible offense. I don't think it's going to be terrible. I'm not as down on Sam Howell running the offense as everyone else seems to be. I don't think they're going to be top of the leagues by any means, but I think. Miller of the road offense, and he's definitely the starting running back as of right now. Uh, I think he's a pretty good value, and I had to move him up my rankings just a little bit and just hope that the reports about him getting more receiving work are true. Yeah, B-Rob's an interesting case. So he's a riser for me, but it's kind of like I've risen up to apparently where, where market is, like mm-hmm. from like the 40s to like now he's 36. He's always kind of floated in the 30s to early 40s for me. As essentially like discount Najee. And, um, you know, I remember going into the draft thinking, okay, this, you know, this guy's unsexy. Like after the combine, Spiller dropped down ranks and it's like, okay, B Rob's unsexy, but uh, uh, looking at these backs, you have an Alabama pedigree and we have, I think, a more well rounded skill set, you know, than people remember, you know, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Coming at coming out of college. Not explosive, right? He's not a, no. not a big ceiling, 
right? But like again, you know, like like a like a discount Najee. He had I like a Montgomery. That's a good yeah, I like that. So he's he had a really weird year, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like like let's let's face it, right? Like it was his whole timeline was pushed back, you know, and he was re- recovered from getting shot. Like who knows what kind of you know psychological trauma, look, right? Like and 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 that team was a big old turd last year, you, you know, and there are unknowns, right? We don't know what the enemy's offense is, is going to look. We can infer some things, you know, but we don't we don't know for sure. Sam Howell is still largely a question mark, as you as you pointed to. But on volume alone, right, he's got to be in your, like, low-end RB2, high-end RB3 mm-hmm. conversation, right? And then when you think about, you know, the reports are he seems more explosive. Reports are he's going to catch more 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 passes and you know and you're looking you're looking at guys to to make bets on yeah you know b rob i think is 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 a good one remember when gibson was like in the doghouse and returning punts in practice and you could get a first round pick for for uh brian robinson going into going into last year like um yeah I, i don't i don't know that it's entirely impossible that you know, he's going to have an almost Damian Pierce-like year this year, you know, um, but maybe even with a little more catching and a little less, like, mm-hmm. on the ground with, like, the, you know, yardage and breaking tackles and things like that. Yeah. Because Pierce ate in a bad offense, right? And yeah, you know, and, and Robinson has a chance to eat in a what we think is going to be in a mediocre offense. Again, not a sexy guy, right? Not a, Not a – not a ceiling outcome, which is kind of where, where I've been leaning lately is like ceiling outcomes are the ones to lean into. But when you think about a guy who is rising and his value could still go up and a guy who's, I think, a better bet than a lot of people think because they've kind of just kind of written him off as like a plotter and unsexy, then, yep. yeah, I like I like Brian. So speaking of, uh, one of the reasons I chose my next riser was to dovetail nicely, and that's Antonio Gibson. I've been calling Antonio Gibson a buy for for months. Uh, you know, the enemy's offense is unknown, but uh, when I look at a, a a guy with you know his skill set uh, and you know the enemy coming in and, and knowing what the Chiefs were able to do with some of their running backs, uh, you know, and hearing good stuff this year, like we're not hearing he's in the doghouse and returning punts, right? We're hearing that you know. Um, he's, he's doing well and they're figuring out ways to get him the ball. Right. Uh, I have him at, uh, 32 in a tier of 28 to 34 up from like probably the mid forties, uh, pretty much right in line with going for two consensus at 34 KTC and fantasy Calc have him a little lower at 37 and 38. Uh, but in most measures, he's gone up in value on both of those, uh, sites over the past, uh, few months in, in the off season. Uh, he's up. Uh, he's up over a third, or a little under a third of his value has been gained since early May on, on Fantasy Calc. Uh, and what they do is they they calculate by aggregating trades that are made in actual leagues, and that's the algorithm they use to figure out like you know who, what people's values are. Uh, so that means in the trade streets, right? Like it, yep. it's it's so um, his bulletproof ADP is eleven ten. End of the eleventh round at RB thirty seven, uh, and 
that's gone up from 1211 in late April. Uh, and I think it was, uh, I, I have 1110 here in late May, but I think I, I think it might be a, a typo. But anyway, he's gone up uh, in, in, in ADP. He's got a really good skill set. Uh, I think he's. I think if there's a running back in that backfield that has a ceiling, you know, to lean into, it's him. I think he be he can be dynamic. He can be explosive. He's bigger than people think. People just picture him as like a satellite back pass catcher kind of guy, and he's not. Uh, he's got contingent upside. You know, if Brian Robinson were to get hurt, they wouldn't mind giving some of the first and second round duties to uh, to Gibson. They do love Chris Rodriguez, but. You know, it's not like it'll be all his. I I, I think so. Um, he's a guy who's on the rise. I think he's a, he's a guy you can still get for a good price in the trade streets and definitely in, in a startup. And I think the value will continue to go up. So uh, yeah, Antonio Gibson's a riser for me. No, I'm I'm with you. I I don't know how much of it will change under Bianami's offense, but that offense just being the receiving third down back, they made JD McKissick actually relevant for a couple of weeks so i think if he steps into that role and if you know they're not going to be a, a very good team so they will be playing behind a lot so i think if he steps mm -hmm. into that third down role there's definitely going to be some value in ppr leagues for sure and how is mobile and, and has some rushing upside but he's mm -hmm. not like a justin fields or jalen hurts where you're really concerned about target share for the running back yeah yeah no exactly he he like runs well but he's also not very like as far as like 40 times, he's not very quick or fast. I think he's just smart about when to run and how he runs. So while he does have some upside, I don't think it'll eat into too much. Um, so uh, while we're at it, just before we move on to your next one, Julia's got a question in the chat about uh, would I take Brian, would, would us, would we take Brian Robinson, A-Chain or Algier? My rankings are A-Chain, Robinson and Algier in that order. But again, you know, I think like they're separated, the three of them, by like 10 ranks. You know, I think it's a matter of, you know, if you're in a startup, you know, who's the cheapest? Um, but also, I think that's not going to be A-Chain. He's not going to be the cheapest. But, you know, what kind of builds do, do you have? Like, you know, have mm -hmm. you taken a lot of wide receivers and so it's time to pound running back? Um, have you mixed in A-Chain earlier because you're going to have to take him? he's got the highest ceiling probably um so you know for me it's that order it's it's a chain robinson and algier but algier man if you know one 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 uh bijan injury and you know yeah i mean i tried to warn y'all about algier last year um but yeah i have, to, I have them in the same order uh they're each like a separate round for where i'm willing to draft them like a chain i'm willing to take them the ninth robinson 10th algier 11th maybe 12th so it's not far off but, yeah, I have them in the same order you do. Uh, who's your next riser? My next one is someone we talked about during rookie drafts. I will keep it fairly brief. But it's someone that was higher on the consensus, uh, Zay Flowers. Mm. And if you couldn't tell by Tank Dell, I'm kind of a sucker for wide receivers who can constantly get open, regardless of their size, regardless of where they line up. And, honestly, a comp I've seen to Zay Flowers is kind of like Kadarius Tony with two healthy legs. Um <laughs> because <laughs> i mean looking in the clips and joint practices even the games like he is so quick in and out of his breaks um they're yeah they're super impressive he's making guys look silly and you know rashad bateman is already out with an injury that seems to be kind of a recurring theme for him and that just makes it easier for flowers to get in there and get immediate playing time and i think he should be the go-to slot option if andrews and likely don't fill that role over the middle 
but he's such a good route runner and so quick in his breaks. I don't think it matters really where he lines up. I think he's going to be able to get open on slants, you know, in and out breaking routes. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I was higher on him coming into rookie drafts. Had him ahead of QJ. I had him behind JSN and Addison. But he was my wide receiver three uh, in rookie drafts. So I'm kind of just confirming what I saw on tape. I I am interested to see what he's doing against actual starters. But as good as he looks, I think he's going to translate pretty well. You know, it might be kind of a slow start as it is for a lot of rookies. But I think there's pretty good value this year and especially next year because I don't know how long OBJ will be around. Yeah. So, I – in two or three years, he could be the guy there. So, uh, where did you say you had Flowers ranked in among wide receivers? Oh, I did. I did not go through the rankings. I forgot to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I have him at RB twenty-seven, up from thirty-three. So I didn't move him up a ton. Uh, going for two, has him at thirty-four. Uh, KTC has him at twenty-seven. He's up three hundred and eighty-nine data points in the last month. Fantasy Pros has him at wide receiver thirty-one. And bulletproof, he's going in the seventh round. Is wide receiver thirty three. So if he's there in the seventh round, I'm taking him every single time. Yeah, especially in dynasty, getting a rookie that's going to put up some numbers. I, I don't think he's going to be like Alave and get a thousand yards, but I think, I think his ability to run routes, he might have a little bit more touchdown upside than people give him credit for. If Lamar and Mark Andrews don't need to eat into that too much, I want I want to like Flowers more. Don't get me, I like him. I like, I, but I've got him at 35. So he's like in that next tier uh, below yep. that like huge tier. Um, I was not one of those people who said it was a bad landing spot because it was the Ravens precisely because there was a new offensive coordinator. Um, I think he, God, he's so quick and gets open and separates so well. I think I was a little down on him in rookie drafts mm-hmm. you know i think i was to things like age and short arms and shit like that you well, know and you were getting and, Kincaid and, where he usually goes yeah so. yeah that's for yeah yeah and also like he had some dropsies you know kind of mm-hmm. thing going on in in college so um it just for me remains to be seen what the ball distribution is going to be you know um i think bateman went healthy is the guy to have on that offense. I think he can be a real true wide receiver one for that team. But even when he's healthy and can be a wide receiver one, the wide receiver one is called Mark Andrews. Yeah. And uh, then I just, I need, I, there are elements of Munkin's offense that, you know, Kevin Coleman has written about that point to flowers doing well. I just, I don't know. I guess it's just not a bet that I'm really leaning into. Because, you know, there's OBJ is not a zero. There's Isaiah Likely. There's Bateman. There's Andrews. Um, they're probably going to pass more to the running backs than they have in the past, right? And so I just, I just kind of want to see it. Um, yeah. But I think what's also working in Flowers' favor is that Lamar Jackson's biggest struggles as a thrower are to, like, outside the numbers, Right. And while Zay Flowers can win on the outside, and he played inside and outside in college, I don't know that that's like the, what they're going to ask him to do, really, in the Ravens' offense. So he's kind of matching uh, with Lamar's skill set. So that that is, I think, is a vote for him as well. You know what? I think I'm gonna move him up. I'm move him up because I got I got QJ and Bateman toward the bottom of that huge tier. And then Flowers is toward the top of that next one. Yeah. 
he belongs in with with those guys, right? Yeah, at least while Bateman's out, because I've I've soured just a little bit on Bateman, even when he played. I don't know how healthy he was last year because he was coming back from injuries, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to tell. But he was kind of boomer bust in a lot of games. Like some games he just completely disappeared, other games he went off, and I'm just that's not someone I'm really trying to buy into. And at this point, all right. So my next riser, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, but while we're talking about wide receivers, uh, the Moors. Give me more of the Moors. <laughs> I can't speak for Chris on Tennessee and David, although David's going to get more snaps at practice with uh, uh, Russell Gage being out for the season. But uh, DJ, Elijah, and Sky, and Rondale, all risers for me for different reasons. I'm not going to go through the data on, on all of them, uh, but just you know, as far as rankings go, I've got DJ Moore. Uh, at 25, kind of had him up from like 29, 30 a few months ago. Um, simply put, uh, I, I'm a little more convinced about the match with him and Fields. You know, there was data on like Fields is good at intermediate routes and, and DJ Moore wins very well at intermediate routes, things like that. But like we're seeing it now. We're seeing the, mm-hmm. the connection there. Uh, we're seeing really good reports about it in practice. And one thing that helped convince me, I forget the person's name. They run a four for four podcast last year. Only three of the top 20 wide receivers uh, had quarterbacks who threw for t- less than 250 yards per game. And one of them was DJ Moore on the Panthers. And so if he can do it on the Panthers, he can do it with Justin Fields throwing for less than 250 yards a game. Right. And we're going to concentrate targets to DJ Moore. There's not a whole lot of competition from Mooney, Claypool and commit. They will all have roles. But DJ Moore can put up a really good season with quarterbacks throwing for fewer than 250 yards a game. So I'm a little more convinced about, about DJ Moore. But that his ranking also uh, by virtue of a couple guys falling too. So it's, it's kind of like that. Elijah Moore, he'll, he's, he'll probably will never be back up where like I used to have him when I was in <laughs> love with him. But, um, you know, I have him at uh, wide receiver 40 up from the 50s. Uh, you know, KTC 41, Fantasy Cal 39, a riser, uh, pretty much on both those uh, platforms. Uh, ADP for DJ Moore is the 508 at wide receiver 22, up from 603 in mid-May. And, uh, you know, uh, Elijah Moore's gained a whole round of, of ADP. Uh, my hesitation with Moore is recent reports that Deshaun Watson's not looking good, especially when he uh, is forced to pass from the pocket. And isn't moving around, so that needs to get ironed out. But um, you know, all indications are they're going to run more eleven personnel. They're going to pass more, so that's good for Elijah Moore. He's got a really good skill set. Uh, he's got when you count like when you count like the two years of good football or whatever that we saw at Mississippi. You know, and AJ Brown and DK Metcalf saying he's better than they are. Right, <clears throat> I'm willing to just pretty much toss out last year. Right, immaturity did not react well to what was going on with Zach Wilson and stuff. But to me, not an indication of the wide receiver that he is very good skill set, versatile, move him around the formation. Um, I think there's, there's, there's upside there. Sky Moore, uh, you know, it's a little cliche. I know he's getting some buzz in some other places. Uh, I've got him up to 52 at the bottom of a tier. I probably had him in like the mid to low sixties for a while there. Uh, he's still 58 at going for two, but he's getting steam uh, in the community in the 40s. 
Uh, he's a riser on, on, on both sites. Uh, his ADP is 12-11, up a whole round of ADP, climbing into the 11th at wide receiver 54. Uh, he's not a bet that I'm making with a high ceiling, but he's a riser relative to where he was. Um, I think uh, the team told you we love Sky Moore, and we kind of redshirted him in his rookie season by just teaching him all three wide receiver positions and not asking him to do much. Very good peripherals on the snaps he did get, improvement over time, flashed in the playoffs, um, and really he's probably going to have the juju role, like if, especially if Tony can't stay on the field. Don't get me wrong, right? Kansas City wide receivers are a crapshoot. Anybody after Kelsey is kind of a crapshoot, but if there's a guy I'm, I'm willing to bet on right now, it's going to be it's going to be Sky Moore, right? Um, yeah. And he's apparently like you know mentoring Rushy Rice and all that. Things. It's just very good signs, I think, coming from Sky Moore. You got to remember he was coming from like the MAC. What was he, Western Michigan or something like that, right? Uh, and, yeah. and and then learning like the Andy Reid offense, like you know, let's let's give the kid a break, right? Uh, and then Rondale, he's a guy who was almost undraftable for me in like the wide receiver nineties, uh, but he's creeping up in, into the seventies for me, pretty much in line with with the communities relatively a riser on some sites he's actually down a little bit on ktc but he's down to 63 right so it's still i'm still below market on on that he's still down to somewhere that's above where like i thought he was ever gonna be i was pretty much writing him off the good signs are the team's gonna pass a lot he's probably won the slot over greg dorch his adot increased a little bit you know, uh, last year from like essentially negative or at the line <laughs> yeah. of scrimmage to point you know, two, right? Yeah, you know, uh, and you know, I think he's just he's just gonna he's probably gonna get a lot a, a lot of targets and he, and he's and he's got good yak. Again, I'm not advocating that this guy's to the moon. I'm saying he rose from relatively undraftable to you know a guy that I I, I would roster as maybe my like uh, my wide receiver five on a on, on a deeper roster where I'm carrying five six wide receivers. Um, there's a there there uh, where I don't think there was before. Uh, he has gained almost a whole round of ADP since since mid-May. So and plus it was just another way to just say, you know what? Let me just it's it's corny. Let me do the Moors. So uh, pick Eddie or all of them. And any thoughts on the Moors? Uh, well, Elijah Moore made me look really stupid last year, and I'm kind of mad at him about it. That's why I haven't moved him up into that big tier. But I have him. I still love him. You know, he I made still... himself look stupid. You were smart for liking him. Remember, yeah, pro- I had process over results. The right bets to make don't always win. That's true. But yeah, I, I really like him. And DJ Moore I have at 19. He just got out of that big tier. Uh, switched him and Michael Pittman. Put Michael Pittman in that big tier from like 21 to 35. And I put DJ Moore out of it. Just because, I like you said, actually seeing him with Justin Fields and looking at that wide receiver room, it's not like he's going to be the guy to get the ball. Like, you got Komet, meh. You got Darnell Mooney, meh. He's like 5'8". Chase Claypool, he had his rookie year. So, I mean, I think he's going to get plenty of targets, even on a low uh, passing volume. And who? Uh, you're, uh, you got one more to go, right? Yep. And this one, it's not going to take long because he's so he's ranked so low that you can go pick him up off waiver wires. I've done it in a bunch of leagues. Uh, it's Adam Troutman. I have him at tight end 29 up from 36. I've always been a Troutman guy. Uh, going for two, I have him at tight end 39. KTC at 43. And Fantasy Pros, I have him at 52. 
tight end 52, and he's not even on the bulletproof ADP that I was looking at. So he's not getting drafted a lot. But And the main reason I put him on here is because, as Zada said a few months ago, maybe two or three months ago, he said watch out for Adam Troutman with Sean Payton coming in. He's a Sean Payton guy, and I don't put too much stock into this, mostly just joking around and trolling. He was the tight end one on the depth chart when they put it out. I don't think that will stick because I think Dolchus is a good bit better than him. But I think Troutman has familiarity with that offense, and so it's not really surprising that he might be ahead of Dolchus at this very moment because he's already done it. It's kind of second nature to him. And even though he probably will be the second option, I think he still has some value without Dolchus getting hurt. I think he's still going to get some targets, especially some cheap touchdowns from the within the five-yard line. Um, and it's the tight end position is so weak after 25-26, it really doesn't take much for me to move a guy up like that because yeah. it's just crap shoots and backups. So yeah. that's it. Go pick him up. Draft him with your very last pick or whatever. Like Just go check your waiver wires and pick him up. I don't Drop your Brock Wrights, those guys who, you know, they're not going to do anything for you. I'd rather take a shot on Troutman. The Shane Zilstra slander that you are spewing right now. No. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you on, on, on Troutman. So, you know, we, we saw in I, – I don't know about the if they've played their second preseason game, but we saw in the first preseason game, you know, Dulcich really limited to, like, clear passing situations, and they're going to try to find, like, a weapon-ish way of, of using him. And, you know, they've got Troutman, and they've got a really solid blocker. And uh, I, I love the last name, Manhurts, right? Always like we were talking about CJ Beathard last night on the PLB. Mm. Like, whenever I see his name, I see beat hard. So, um, <laughs> like, beat hard and man hurts, right? So, anyway, uh, so, so, and he's a really solid blocker, right? And so, those guys have the coach's trust early on, right? So, I think Dulce is going to continue to dip. Troutman might see some, some targets. Um, I think I said this on the show that Zato was on, but, uh, I remember Troutman's rookie year. I was watching a a, a, a video, might have been on on, on Yahoo. They're saying, "Listen, when when Sean Payton spends a third round draft pick on a rookie tight end, you pay attention." Yeah, and he was a guy that I just could not quit, but would always disappoint me. And Taysom Hill would eat, and you know whoever else was in there. I don't know. Was Jimmy Grant? It was the the waning days Jimmy of Jimmy Graham, Graham. at, at the they, very first? Yeah, I think did they overlap? And you know, like. Uh, Nick Vanette was in there and uh, Juwan John, right? So, which who I love Juwan John, but uh, yeah. yeah. And it was just like, so Trout, Troutman to me became like that disappointment that I broke up with, right? And now, you know, right? In a tight end premium league, especially if you're using the buckshot method, you know, like if you didn't get a high-end tight end and you said, you know what, I'm going to make up for it by rostering like seven of them and something's going to hit. Troutman's one you want to do, especially early yep. in the season. So what I would do personally is probably buy the Dulcich dip. He's going to get to a point where I think he's a bargain. And then buy Troutman now, sell him. Because I think I think as Dulcich develops a little more, even if it's improving a little bit of blocking, whatever, as Dulcich develops a little more, right, the, the coach isn't, I think, going to think we have to put Troutman in because I trust him. Once I think Dulcich gains some trust, I think there's going to be a little bit of like where mm -hmm. they pass each other, you know, and that later in the season it's going to be – Dulcich is going to be the guy to have because, listen, you know, it's, it's a passing league. You know, we don't score points 
for blocking. And Dulcich is a dynamic player, right? You know, they can big slot him, especially, you know, with Tim Patrick gone, right? Like, you know, so don't, you know, things have not been good for Dulcich so far, but don't, don't lose, don't lose hope. So that's my advice on the Dulcich Troutman situation. No, I agree. And I think even just being in on blocking plays, especially within the 10 and five yard line, look at what Austin Hooper made a career just to catching little four yard touchdowns where he just leaks out. He throws a block and leaks out and catches a little lob pass. So, I mean, I think there could be some touchdown upside there. Yeah. Uh, so my final riser, speaking of tight ends, Cole Turner. I know in some circles, people are rolling their eyes like, oh, it's cliche. In other circles, people are rolling their eyes and saying, who the fuck is that? Right. So, um, Cole Turner is a second-year tight end for the Washington commanding football team skins. And um, he was in my top 12 tight ends uh, uh, going into the NFL draft that year. He was you know, towards the bottom with, like, Ferguson and and and, and Chig and, and Bellinger, um, you know, from out of Nevada, right? So not a, not a really elite college program. But I think underrated, you know, as far as his his skill set goes. Um, I've got him up at uh, tight end thirty six, uh, at the bottom of a tier of twenty six to thirty six. I had him hovering in like the late forties and early fifties for a while. Going for two still has him at fifty five. Some guys don't even have him ranked. KTC is is on it. They're with me a little bit with forty two, fantasy calc forty six. Generally a riser uh, on those sites. A little bit of a dip in the last 30 days or so, but that's more so because he went from like zero to like hopeful. Uh, there was a little more buzz about him a few weeks ago than there, than there has been uh, recently, but it comes down to the fact that Logan Thomas is old and dinged up. Cole Turner is going to find a way to make to, to get targets. Eric Bieniemy, I think, is going to be creative and and figure out a way to incorporate him into the offense. Uh, at ADP, he's he's tight end forty five uh, at twenty six oh three, but he has gone up three whole rounds of ADP since mid May. And listen, this is a guy who, in a lot of leagues, you could get for like what a third and a fourth, right? If people don't really know much much about maybe him, even just maybe on the waiver wire somewhere in some mm-hmm. leagues, depending on how deep your benches are and that sort of thing. Again, just because he's a riser and I'm making the case for him, I'm not saying Cole Turner to the moon. I'm saying Cole Turner going from obscure zero to possible tight end one on an offense and in tight end premium dynasty, that can mean something because as 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 Josh so smartly said before, after the first couple tiers and after that the tight end twenty four or whatever, like who the fuck you know right? So why not why not Cole Turner? No, I agree. I'm gonna name a few names for you here: John Bates, Brandon Dillon, Curtis Hodges, Caden Smith. Those are the only other tight ends besides old Logan Thomas. So I have him at 33. So I'm with you. I'm three spots ahead of you. Oh, wow. And that's mainly because I think he's due to get some playing time. I don't trust Logan Thomas to play also, more than seven sorry or eight inter- games. Sorry to interrupt you. A little You're bit good. out of sight, out of mind, because I think he was hurt a lot last year, Cole Turner, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Yep. So a little bit of like we didn't see him, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. All right. So, all right. So hopefully we gave you some risers to look at. I think we could make the case – for any of these guys continuing to rise in value. So hopefully it's actionable in the sense that you can still get on the train. Um, so any, uh, any parting words for uh, our uh, millions of listeners, Josh, or is it time for you to have a social life for on a Saturday for once? 
Yeah, I'm not going to sit by myself with my dogs tonight. I think, honestly, I think we covered them pretty well. I don't, you know, I don't really see much. I might need to move Sky Moore up a little bit. I'm uh, coming around on Iuke. I moved him up. So, yeah, I'm I'm just ready for football to start, if I'm being honest. I'm ready to get in some DFS. I live in Virginia now, so I can Ooh. do some parlays. Like That's what I meant. I'm ready with, to go. That's what I meant to mention with Tank Dell. Tank Dell is going to be one of those guys where you're you're building a cash game lineup, and he's he's there for whatever thirty seven hundred, forty four hundred, and you think okay, this is the week that you know against the you know bad nickel corner, you know Stroud's going to pepper him. You know I can see him being profitable in that way, mm-hmm. but but yeah, I gotta I gotta make my DK deposit soon. Although they, I don't want to disparage them on a live show, but I kind of already did on Twitter. So I joined their some of their best ball because I heard there's a little bit it's just like a little bit of a softer market there, so you can get yep. a little bit more of an edge, right? So I'm like, all right, let me. Yeah. I was getting, I wasn't getting notifications from the drafts, like, like when I when I was on the clock, you know, and all my notifications were set up the right way. I emailed customer support, they, you know, they said let me look at this and show me this and screenshot that, yeah. And I followed up. They never got back to me. I followed up with them. They never got back to me. And I'm sitting here pissing away, you know, auto-draft best ball teams on, on draft games. Not, you know, thankfully, I didn't spend too much money before the, the shit hit the fan. But, you know, I'm a sucker. I'll still probably play DFS this year. You know, people told me to do DraftKings because people auto-pick. Now I know why people go on auto-pick in the best ball drafts. So... <laughs> If I do a draft, I'll know now to sit on my computer and do not change the tab. Do not no, it was don't so let my ADD take over. Yeah. yeah, that's frustrating. I don't blame you. Not just because you auto pick, right? Because you know auto pick sucks, but you know in some ways, it you know it drafts by ADP, and you, you could probably do fine with an auto pick team. But um, uh, if you don't rank players or make a manual pick at some point in the draft, you can't win any money. Oh yeah. So so I literally pissed away the money. Like there's zero chance of it ever coming back. Especially best ball. Like redraft, I've had like a few years ago, I had a team who went on auto draft, won the league. So it's like it's that can happen in redraft, but best ball it's a little different. You gotta you gotta be a little more calculated with your picks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us, folks. Please subscribe, rate, and review on the audio feed. I'm going for two live. Please subscribe, like, uh, turn on notifications, comment etc here on the youtubes and other places feed the algorithm what it needs uh time for plugs josh yeah you can find me on twitter at rotonaut i've took a little break from twitter because i've been very busy but i'm looking to get back start posting some stuff as the season comes on oh yeah the app formerly known as twitter um but yeah you can find me there at rotonaut you can find i'm just now getting doing my uh Redraft rankings on goingfor2.com. Might get into some DFS articles. I need to talk to Jeff about that. But, Mm. yeah, you can find all my stuff at goingfor2.com. Yeah, same here. Uh, You can find me at ffjunkie underscore on Twitter. You can can pry the name Twitter from my cold, dead hands, Elon Musk. Um, Yeah, rankings and articles on goingfor2.com. I do another podcast, middle of the week, Dynasty Fever, audio only at Dynasty Fever Pod with Jesse Schneeman from the Dynasty Warzone. We just had John Laub on to talk Debbie in college football. That episode should be going up uh, tomorrow. 
uh, and go to uh, goingfor2.com on the little bottom right. There's the purple thing for the Discord. You can jump in. We have a million channels, trade advice, uh, arguing with Tom Tipple. Uh, you know, our show has its own channel, so please hop in there. Next week, from the true north, uh, back from his Ireland vacation, we're going to have Jacob Sanderson uh, to talk running backs. I don't know that there's really many folks I would want uh, besides Jacob to talk uh, about running backs. So, yep. All right. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, and going to two has a million podcasts. So, like, we got something every night for you. So, please check us out. Yeah, I'm excited to sit here and listen to Jacob talk because I think that's the smartest thing to do when he's in a <laughs> chat with you. Just let him talk and listen. You know, I'm being serious. I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah, listen yeah. to what he says and digest it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, folks. Well, um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Glad to be back. Glad to have some form of football being being played, and uh, you know we'll we'll see you next week. Yep. Go Irish. All right. I'm rusty. Hey!